Welcome to the Undefined Good Girls Podcast. A place for all things shattering the label of the good girl. I'm Vanessa, and I'm the big sister. And I'm Kiara, and I'm the little sister. We're so glad to have you join us. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. Now, let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. Welcome to another episode of the Undefined Good Girls podcast. And we are excited because we have another special guest with us. Yay! (laughs) We have Felicia Permenter, who is joining us. And she's going to be talking about wellness and our communities and how we can be better and take better care of ourselves from the inside out. So Felicia is a registered nurse. She's a national board certified health and wellness coach, and she is the founder of AKN Wellness, which is a community-based wellness organization. So thank you for joining us, Felicia. We are so glad to have you. You're welcome. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I'm just truly honored that you thought of little old me (laughs) and invited me to chat and share some things I'm passionate about. Felicia has been a busy woman and we are excited to get into everything that you've been working on and hear more about your passion. First things first, we want to uh, thank you Thank you. Thank you so much for your service as a nurse, you and and everyone in in the uh, nursing and and medical field have been just amazing for all that you've done through COVID and continue to do. So we just wanted to take a moment to really honor you for that. And thank you. You made a post in 2020 on social media about your experience a little bit. It was a really moving post. I'm glad that you shared it with us for us to kind of get a snapshot you see people on TV, but when you someone you know who is in the trenches in this way and sharing that. So I wanted to touch a little bit on that at whatever you feel comfortable. This was an experience that you had being a nurse during the beginning like of COVID in New York specifically. So how did you get involved in being in New York? Um, I know you were based in Arizona, I believe at the time, but you went to New York for a time to help there. And what was that like, that experience? Yeah, you know, it was an experience unlike any other. And it's really um, ironic that you brought that post up because it popped up as a memory not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. So it was about this time last or not last year, two years ago now that, you know, we were out there and kind of, like you said, in the trenches and in the beginning of COVID at its inception. And It is an experience that I would not take back. You know, it was for sure a life-changing experience and it definitely propelled me and pushed me to move into entrepreneurship, but it was just, I, I still two years later am at a loss for words for, you know, some of the things that I saw and experienced while I was out there. It was not necessarily something that I planned to do, you know, it was really interesting as, as the, as COVID and the pandemic was kind of unfolding in the beginning of 2020. And we were in Arizona, like you said, we're in Arizona and, you know, we're over on the West coast and everything is kind of slower to get to us out there. So I remember sitting and my kids, it was about March, I think the second week of March, and we were kind of watching this on the news and following it in the media and everything that's going on and not really knowing what to think, you know, just like everybody else following it, seeing it and having our own speculations. And I remember thinking, it, it surely it's not as bad as they're making it seem, you know, I, I feel like for me personally, the way the media handled the whole pandemic from the start was something that, you know, I was not so proud of, you know, I felt like it could have been handled differently by the media from the beginning. And so my thoughts in the beginning were, oh, look, here they are, they're finding new nurses who've never, you know, worked, you know, a challenging shift, who are never really experienced, you know, some of the challenges that we do as nurses, and they're putting them on TV, and they're putting them in the news, and they're making it seem like it's, it's this terrible thing. And, 
I didn't know what it was. You know, I wasn't saying, oh, it's a flu. I wasn't one of them, but I was just yeah. saying it, it can't be as bad as they're making it seem. Right. And, um, you know, that was kind of my stand in the beginning. And we were, so it's early March. Um, my kids were on spring break and the school decides that they're going to extend spring break because of the unknown and with all the things going on with the pandemic. At the same time, my husband, he got, um, he went on a furlough from work um, because his position, it was staffing, they worked to support surgical centers, so ambulatory surgical centers. His hours got cut back. At the time, I was working in an ICU but my position was a float position. So it was a fill-in position. So basically it was as needed when there's not enough ICU staff, they would float me and move me to whichever ICU I'm needed in. But because we were, again, scaling back procedures and really trying to reduce our numbers to prepare for the unknown, my hours at work in Arizona were also being cut back. So it was like the ingredients for the perfect recipe, like just all these things kind of went in. And then I get this call um, at the same time, my best friend, she also got the call that they were looking for nurses and the recruiter called us and she's like, if you're interested, I have a short-term assignment, you know, it's in New York. I don't know what to expect. I know that you need to bring your own PPE. And if you want to go, you got to leave Sunday. And this is like a Tuesday. <laughs> and so she's like, you want to go? Do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, both our husbands are home. Our kids are out of school. Um, she had a family member come and help her husband out. I had my in-laws at the house. So we're like, if we're going to go now is a good time because work doesn't need us. You know, the kids are home. Like we can afford to be away for a couple of weeks. So we're out and we couldn't find PPE anywhere. Like you can order it online, you can buy it in the stores. Um, and so we're out like just trying to get everything situated with our kids, with the house. I think one of the first like, oh my gosh, are we doing this moments I had was when we were looking for PPE and we couldn't find anything. And so we have this bright idea to go to Home Depot and get room filters, like HEPA filters that you put in your house. And we're like, okay, we're gonna make masks and we're gonna put these HEPA filters in it because surely that has to be better than just regular cloth masks that we can make. Uh, no, HEPA filters are not great substitutes for the face mask. <laughs> but in our head, it made like all the sense in the world. Right. We um, get our families ready and we get on the plane Sunday, not knowing what to expect. And I think the second, oh my gosh, we're really doing this moment was getting to an airport and being in a deserted airport, like never in my life. And I've been traveling from infancy, you yeah. know, not that I can remember that far back, but we were, we're well-traveled people and never in my life had I walked through an airport that was deserted from the drop-off to the pickup to there's two planes in the entire airport um, everything was closed. Nobody was there. And I'm like, wow, this is like surreal. It's like, it felt almost apocalyptic, a whole airport and there's nobody in it. So we get on the plane. There were six of us on this plane, huge plane traveling from Arizona, six of us on the plane, five of us were nurses going to help. We get there, we land in New York and again, desertion and you know, we're from New York. Our families are from New York. We spend multiple summers up in New York. Like we're always there. And to get to New York and it's like, again, this zombie apocalypse, there's nobody out. The airport is empty. It's like, I think nine o'clock on a Sunday, you know, not necessarily like a downtime yeah. if there could be one in New York and there's nobody there. And I remember just like feeling it's almost eerie, like this isn't New York. This isn't the New York that I know. This is, where's the hustle and bustle? Where's the life of the city? It's gone. And so those were like my very first, I guess, three, wow, this thing is real. This is really happening. 
And so we get there, we check in and the um, director of nursing, she gave a speech or like an orientation. We had a one day orientation where we had to learn everything about the hospital, how to chart, how to do everything in one day, because we had to literally hit the ground running. So I was in about the second wave of emergency uh, responders who came in from all over the, I'll say continent, maybe not the world, but we had people from Canada, you know, we had people from as far as the West Coast, a lot of people coming in to support um, you know, what was going on in New York, especially. And so there was a huge amount of new nurses, like just graduated weeks ago, just got their licenses, you know, weeks ago. And they responded to this ad that said, um, seeking nurses for COVID testing. And so like hundreds show up to respond to this ad to help out the hospital. And she get we get there, the director of nursing, she says, hey, welcome. I know you guys responded to this ad. I know that you guys think you're here to do COVID testing. Well, you're not. You're here to take full patient load assignments. These are the sickest patients you've ever had. You know, they are all ICU patients. They are all intubated. They are all dying basically of this unknown disease, you know, that we don't know how to treat. She says, under every circumstance, I would tell you, especially you new nurses, not to take this job. You know, she says, it's unsafe. You're not prepared. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the skills. You will not have the support. You're basically here on your own. And I would tell you to walk out the door right now but I can't because we have nobody else. And she said, I'm being 100% upfront with you. And if you do decide to walk out that door right now, I wouldn't think anything of you, I would commend you, but I'm also commending and begging you to stay because we need people, we need staff, we need personnel because it's the one thing that we don't have. And that was when it hit me like, wow, okay, it's, it's real here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I remember preparing, you know, and just mentally thinking, okay, maybe going to New York, it'll be, you know, three or four times my worst shift, the worst shift that I've ever had at that point, I, I must've been a nurse seven and a half, eight years, you know, so I'd had some experience under my belt, primarily most of that time has been in ICU, very high acuity ICUs, you know, I worked trauma, cardiovascular, neuro, you know, just high level ICU is what my experience was. And so I'm thinking like my worst night, you know, maybe I get three patients, very, very sick. My worst night, I'll multiply that times three. That's probably what I can expect when I get to New York, you know, and I can handle that. I'm thinking, I know how to take care of sick people. I know how to take care of intubated people. You know, this is my specialty. I'm good. I got this. Man, when I got there, <laughs> like there is no amount of preparation that could have prepared me for that from the level of illness that we saw to the amount of people that we saw. It, there was just nothing that I could have done to prepare myself for what that experience was like. The one moment that I, that I think will always hold at the forefront of my memory um, is just that it was a night where I had a lot of patients. You know, our acuities were really, really high. Our ratios were really, really high. And under normal circumstances, we have two patients to one nurse. In New York, we had about nine patients <laughs> to one nurse. Kind of on my own, we were in a like in a um, in an outpatient surgical center, so it wasn't like a part of the hospital. It was next to the hospital, and just a makeshift ICU. And we're working, and seven of my nine patients start to die at the same time. Oh my! Like God. they all just start crashing at the same time. And I remember in the, in the split second, I'm like looking at all these things happening. I see one patient who's having a stroke. I see one patient who's having a heart attack. My other patient, he starts bleeding out of every orifice. Um, I had another patient whose machine, the ventilator physically broke because we're using like ancient devices, you know, right. devices that are meant for like transporting. They're not even meant to be like long-term, you know, care, care devices. And so it just, it breaks, it literally breaks. 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And in that split second, I just yell, everybody stop dying. And I yell it out. There were two other nurses in this room. And I think we had about 30 patients in the room all together and three of us, three nurses in there. So they're on the other side of the room dealing with their own crashing patients. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I physically cannot save seven people at one time by myself you know, and I will never forget that moment of just sheer, like, devastation, hopelessness, um, just, you know, that feeling like it, it doesn't matter what I do, I can do everything, and I am doing everything, and it, it's just not going to be enough to save everybody, and so just a hundred percent life-changing experience. It's crazy to just even hear you like sharing that because again like us not being in the field like it's baffling but it's like this is this is real life like this is real life <laughs> that's just what I keep thinking like don't yeah. listen to this as if it's just a story time right, like right. this is, this is something that you really experienced this was this was your life with with your husband and kids back at home like it's you know you have so much so many other things to think about yeah. Um, so many other people that you're thinking about having to keep safe and having to stay alive for for yourself. You know, you have to think about yeah. your own danger and your own risk of exposure. Um, my God. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's something that I didn't think about. And my friend who went with me, we talked about it a couple of weeks after we got home. Like that wasn't even a thought in the moment of preparing and going out there like us getting exposed was truly a second thought, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. we hadn't even thought about us getting exposed and maybe us bringing it home to the kids and the family. And I think both of us in that moment and so many nurses and doctors and support staff and, you know, all the people who are there on the front line, I think it, it really speaks volumes to people who are in that profession because it, it's like when push came to shove, when literally lives were on the line, people were coming to work, you know, and it, it took people to be sick and almost dying on their own deathbeds to, to not come to work, you know, um, despite how challenging it was, despite how emotionally and physically taxing it was, you know, our, our frontline workers were getting up and they were coming in and supporting one another because we recognize like, we need each other, <laughs> you know, Absolutely, we definitely yeah. need each other right now and our patients need us too. <laughs> was there any, um, when you say that, because I would think like how important community was at that time. And I'm thinking about like, you coming in already being very experienced as a nurse and you sharing about some of the like brand new fresh from school nurses coming in and also being alongside you guys that are more experienced in this like I just wonder how was that experience for them to start their experience off with with that and like did you have any conversations with any that were like new and yeah yeah you know it's there, there's so many factors to, there's so many factors to what this pandemic did for healthcare. I mean, the world really, um, but especially healthcare, because you have, you have the group of nurses that they started in this, you know, they, they only knew pandemic level <laughs> nursing. Right. And for some that pushed them away early on, you know, they just said, this isn't for me, <laughs> yeah. which is sucks because you get through school, you go through all of that. And to realize, you know, maybe this wasn't the career choice for me. You have some who really delved in and jumped in and, and learned and, you know, pushed through that learning curve and really stepped up to the challenge. And then you have some who I, in my own personal experience, a lot, a lot of us honestly knew old or we don't like old ex experienced and newer um, nursing alike, you know, I think we all have a touch of PTSD from it. You know, oh, it was traumatic, you know, just even the people who maybe didn't know what it was like to be in healthcare before the pandemic, yeah. you know, there's definitely a touch of, of trauma there that I, it will take years, you know, to heal from, you know, and I think for many of us, it'll even take 
take time to to sit with and process it. And you know, I know my myself personally. So I worked three weeks in New York, and then I came home. And at the time, by the time I got home, we were spiking in Arizona. And I pretty much worked pretty heavily about, you know, 48 and 60 hour weeks in my ICU at home wow. from April till New, uh, Halloween was my last night working. And it wasn't until I think I, I had my first breakdown in October where it just kind of all came like, wow, you know, where it just kind of stopped and took that breath. And then even into January of 2021, where I'd have moments of wow like what what was last year you know and so I know personally that I I still haven't even processed all that I saw and all that I went through and all that I experienced and you know my heart and prayer and support goes out to the ones who are still in it because you know I did it for a little over a year but there are people still in it even today even you know with the numbers down and getting back to what seems like normal there's it's a new normal for sure and there are still people who are in it and they are going to have to heal from this pandemic you know yeah yeah well thank you thank you for sharing that experience yes thank you for giving me the opportunity to all right so let's talk about AKN wellness share like what made you set out to start that what was kind of your catalyst for that and how did you kind of take the leap to go into entrepreneurship? Definitely. So, you know, it's very interesting. I, when I write my book one day, it's going to be called something like how I just fall into things. I don't know, <laughs> but I literally, you know, things I, I never really plan. Um, they just kind of happen. And, you know, there's definitely some divine intervention going on <laughs> because it's, it's never in my plan, how things happen. And so AKN, AKN was born after my third daughter was born <laughs> because I did not want to go back to work. <laughs> and so <laughs> honestly, there you go. That's the name of the book. Everything I do with AKN is because I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and so AKN, um, I, I was having my third child, my last child and all my, my other two children, I didn't have the luxury of taking any sort of real maternity leave. You know, I kind of went right back to work and right back to school with the other two. And with this one, I said, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to take the long maternity leave. I'm going to enjoy, you know, this baby here and, and just this phase with this child. And so when I, it was time to go back to work, of course, I didn't want to go back to work. Um, I worked night shift ICU and I was like, there has to be something I can do that I don't have to go back to work. I'm tired of working nights. I'm tired of working weekends, tired of being tired all the time. You know, all the things that come with shift work and I was ready to do something different, but I wasn't at the time ready to go back to school. And I was like, I, I have a, a ton of experience. I have a strong knowledge base. There has to be something I can do with what I have. Yeah. And so I founded AKN Wellness. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't even know what to call it. And me and my lack of originality, it's literally the initial of my children, um, which is AKN. And my son is the K and he's like, why isn't my letter first? Ah. The oldest. <laughs> He's like, it should be K-A-N wellness. <laughs> and I was like, I knew that was going to come up. So I just left it as an alphabetical thing. So nobody can say anything. <laughs> He's like, you should have named me Antoine. <laughs> but um, so yeah, no, no originality there. But I, I went and in March of 2019, I, I just filed this business name had no idea what I was going to do with it I just filed it and was like okay I got a business now I'm gonna write something off of it I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and um so just more researching more just kind of soul searching and I came across um nurse coaching and health and wellness coaching and it really aligned with you know what I wanted to do which was move into a place of preventative care, move into a place of supporting people before they got sick and ended up in the ICU. Um, And kind of my passion, all of nursing 
was really serving communities of color. And early on in my career, I realized, you know, as a Black woman, as a Black nurse at that, I have a very unique opportunity to reach a population of people that are often not reached, you know, underserved, forgotten about. And so I wanted to really find a way to, to utilize that advantage that I had. And so I kind of, again, fell into this health and wellness coaching and I completed a certification program. And so I was doing that for a little bit, um, very, very passively, you know, still not really sure which way I was going to go with it, but just meeting people and talking with them and helping them where they were, where I can, and did that for a little bit kind of before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and we just talked about all that. So (laughs) my focus shifted for about a year and a half and In the midst of this pandemic, my husband decided he wanted to go to grad school and he decided to go to chiropractor school in Minnesota. So we relocated to Minnesota and I was again coming out of just this extensive 18 month period of just hardcore working and dealing with the pandemic. And I was like, I really don't want to go back to work right now. (laughs) You know, I really, I mentally, emotionally, physically, I can't go back to the ICU right now. So what am I going to do? I'm here. I'm in Minnesota. So it's cold. It's icky. It's gray. I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to do something without leaving this house until April. (laughs) So I kind of revisited AKN and I was like, okay, what can, what do I want AKN to be? And I just kind of sat with that and just poured out all the things that I want to do. I want to be involved in the community. I want to connect with people. Again, I want to help people, you know, restore their health and that preventative um, wellness model. And so I just started putting all of that down on paper and I had this notebook that turned into like this whole web, like we used to make in school, like with AKN in the middle and all these branches of everything that I wanted to do eventually with AKN Wellness. But that's kind of how it was born, just out of my desire to use what I have, tap into my knowledge and my experience to serve a community that doesn't have access to, um, you know, just support and services and advocacy. And that's, that's kind of how I started. And so um, when I got here, I started connecting with different groups and organizations and nonprofits and businesses to just get myself out there to get AKN wellness out there to raise awareness that I'm here, you know, I'm here for you, I'm here to serve and kind of grow in that way. And so it's been really good. You know, I, I've been here going on about a year and a half now. And I am working out of a spa, I'm doing post-op care, and I'm getting ready to launch an IV um, therapy business or component to my business. So, you know, the growth has been really exciting and I I just still don't exactly know where I'm going with, <laughs> with it, but I know at the root of, you know, the core of what AKN, it is really to serve people, to love people, to, you know, help support people. And I love that in everything that I do and every little niche that my, you know, can get a toe in, I I have that kind of at my core. And I'm also back in school now. So, you know, just excited for the future of AKN um, and what that looks like for me and my family and um, the growth that's to come with it. Yeah, you were talking a little bit about, you know, underserved communities and disparities. And I was wondering if you could uh, maybe speak in specifics about some of the disparities that uh, Black and Brown communities face, especially within the health and medical field. I feel like it's something that when our mom was diagnosed with cancer and they weren't listening to her about a medicine that she needed, and she ended up being in the hospital because of it. And it was one of those feelings that was so enraging to me because it was like, she told you guys she needed this. She didn't get it. And now look what has happened. And I, I was like, let's sue the hospital. Oh, yeah. I was ready to burn the hospital down. Yes. Um, and it was one of those moments. I think it was the first moment as an adult to see the ramifications for what can happen in someone's life and how it can be really, really bad if you are not listened to, if you are not taken care of. Um, 
So yeah, I was just wondering if you could like talk a little bit about that. Definitely, definitely. You know, I think one of our greatest needs that we have in our communities is a need for advocacy and a need for awareness. You know, I feel like um, our communities are, are minority and black and brown communities. The one thing we lack is awareness. We don't even know the tons of modalities, the tons of treatments, the tons of complementary therapies and services and support that's available to us and not to us as minorities, but to people. All the extent of what we know is, is what we're told. And so it's, it's really hard for us to advocate for ourselves if we're not aware of what we should even be advocating for. And so that ties into the need for someone on the other side, someone who does know what is there to be that voice for us, someone to come in and say, hey, did you know that if you change your diet, you know, it complements, you know, the treatment of your chronic disease. Did you know that I can help you make these lifestyle changes so that you don't have to rely on your medication, you know, solely, um, you know, so there's a, there's a level of just awareness that is needed. There's a, a level of advocacy that's needed. And then, you know, that I feel like empowers people to do for themselves. And I feel like sometimes we're looked at as maybe not incapable, but we we lack the knowledge, we lack the understanding, but we also have never been given the opportunity. And so there is definitely that stigma there, you know, it's been well-researched and well-documented the perception of people of color from healthcare providers, the perception of women, you know, from healthcare providers. Even now in 2022, I don't know the exact statistic, but there is a staggering gap in male, you know, Caucasian male healthcare providers. They are the predominant healthcare providers there. And so it's most of the population are not white males. So you can, you know, understand why there would be a gap and why there would be this disparity there. And so representation is so important and it really, really makes a difference. It's something that I experienced firsthand and that kind of is what lit the fire in me. I started my career in a very rural town in South Carolina, you know, if you were a person of color in healthcare, you were not a nurse and you were not a doctor. <laughs> and so, you know, whenever I came in, I'd come in these rooms and I, I remember one time this little old lady, never met this woman before in my life. And she, I come in the room and she's like, hey, I need the nurse because whatever, I think she needed a medication. Can you go get her? And I'm like, oh, I'm the nurse. I can help you. And this little old lady who's been like bedridden for eight years, she's trying to stand out her bed to give me a hug and a standing ovation. Like she was so proud of me because I was a nurse and she's almost moved to tears. Like, oh my goodness, baby, you made it. And I'm so proud of you. And, you know, just doing so much good for all of us. And you, my nurse, you, you, are you serious? And I'm like, yes, ma'am, I'm your nurse. I'm here to take care of you. And she was just so proud. And that showed me like, we very rarely, you know, more so now, but before we didn't see that representation, there wasn't even the thought of, I can be a nurse, I can be a doctor, you know, it's like, I want to work in healthcare, I want to be a medical assistant, I want to be a CNA, nothing at all against them, you know, absolutely not, we need every single person, we need all the specialties in, you know, to be a team to care for people. But there is there or there was that perception of this is as far as I can go. This is the extent of what I can do. And some of that is, we can get into like what's been ingrained in us and you know, what we have access to. But I think a big piece of it is just that awareness that Yes, I can be the doctor. Yes, I can be the president of the hospital. Yes, I can be the person sitting at the table making the decisions that impact other people like me because there's nobody else, you know, sitting at that level doing that. So I think, um, you know, if I had to, my my three pieces for my soapbox <laughs> per se is just 
you know, my, my passion, I am all about just bringing awareness to what is out there. And there's so much out there um, when it comes to your health and your wellness, advocating for those who don't have a voice to advocate for themselves. So just that piece of awareness, that piece of advocacy, and then that piece of just empowering people to know like, you can, you can advocate for yourself. You can speak up. You don't have to just accept what they say it is. If you feel like you need something, if you feel like you're not being heard, you have that right. You have that power. You have that voice to say, listen to me, (laughs) you know, I'm telling you that I need more. I'm telling you that this isn't working. I'm telling you that, you know, I, I, I need you to revisit this. And, it will take time for sure, but I think with more people doing it, with more women doing it, with more people of color standing up and, and you know speaking for themselves, it will slowly start to change the current status quo and the current tone that is our healthcare system. And, and people will know like, okay, we have to, we have to look at this differently, you know, we have to be aware that. There are differences with our different patients and I need to have that ear and I need to have that eye and I need to look at them as individuals and hear them and see them, you know, for who they are and what they need. But it will take time for sure. But that's something I hope to, you know, help push along a little bit with with my business and the work that I do with AKN. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really cool as well that you are kind of operating in in kind of like an alternative medicine kind of field where you were talking about the preventative care and everything and how important that is even before you get to the doctor's office. But even having like that step that we all need so badly, we we should all be seeing someone before we even get to the doctor's office before we get to yes. you have something that's seriously critically you know chronically wrong with you where where is the the help before then where is the awareness of your illnesses before all of those things um how can we how can we treat this without going to the doctor how can we show how can we show you that you matter you matter your preventative care matters and what is specific and special to you like we should be coming up with different and, and innovative ways to serve you. I know for me, I learned about so many different just treatment options and modalities in my own experience of just wanting help and not wanting to take the traditional route and wondering like, are there alternatives? If they just want to like throw me on medications or whatever, like, are there other alternatives to that can help me? And then like almost having like the curtain open <laughs> that you're just like, what? This is a, this is something and that's something All this I've never about heard Right. Right. It really makes you feel robbed. Like yeah. other communities, basically other communities that are not people of color have access to so much and they know about it. And we just yeah. don't even know about it. Like all we know is you're sick or you're feeling whatever, go to like your emergency room or go to your regular yeah. primary care. But there are so many other options, even like um, IV therapy. Like that's mm-hmm. something that I started to look into. I never heard of yep. that stuff that people have known about that have access and opportunity. And it is, it is. And you know, that was, that, that's a big piece of it for me. And, and just really trying to get down to the root cause of why, and I'm still researching and I'm still trying to understand it. You know, there's, um, I feel like it's a, it's a little bit of a trend and it's a little bit of a buzzword, but it's real, you know, this, it's a systemic thing. And it, it starts with the way the systems that are in place and we can go all the way back to how the systems were designed to keep us back and all this, that, and the other, but on the surface level of it, if you our our people, our communities have access to what their insurance will cover. We often don't have the best insurance. We often don't have the higher end that covers all the complimentary services. So we're, we're kind of pushed out from the beginning, you know, and it's just awareness and access are so essential because without it, you don't know. And just like you said, other communities, and that's how it was for me. I'm like, you guys have been doing health and wellness coaching. When I got into it, I'm like, who is going to go see a health and wellness coach? What is a health and wellness coach? Like, we don't like to talk to people about our problems. We don't go to therapy. We don't do that stuff. And 
just learning there is a difference between coaching and therapy and mentorship and education and training like there's all these different levels to it and they affect and they help people in different ways but even me as a practitioner of it, I had to learn what it meant and how I can apply it in my community. And when I learned about, okay, what is a coach? What does a coach do? Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Everybody I know needs a coach. (laughs) And then I'm talking to people and I'm like, hey, have you heard of a health and wellness coach? And certain groups of people are like, girl, yeah, I got a nutrition coach. I got a diet coach. I got a fashion coach. I got a business coach. Like, oh, so you've just been using coaches all this time and we're just now learning about it. But it's so true. It's like these these modalities out there and certain groups and certain people, they have access to it and it goes generationally. You know, they've been doing it, their parents, their grandparents, It's and they're able to be so successful because they have all of this support and all of the access and awareness and they know what questions to ask and they know how to to figure out what they need and how to get that help but we're over here like just kind of fumbling around in the dark and we're asking our neighbor who's blindfolded too and they're like oh girl I don't know I went down here and you know she's walking in the same circle and then now I'm walking in the same circle with her (laughs) and we can't seem to like break out of these cycles that we get into because it starts with us not even knowing you know what is out there the realm of possibilities for us that's so wonderful so you're you um, are a cycle breaker that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> oh wow I never yeah. thought of it like that to your credentials I will I never thought of it like that I love that so share with us that's like uh ties perfectly into I guess the next question if someone is like what the heck is a wellness coach? Like talk some about the process of having a health and wellness coach and what benefits it can provide to someone. Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, there are a ton of definitions out there for what a coach is and what a coach does. And my favorite one and my simplest one is that a coach kind of comes alongside you, but slightly behind and walks and encourages you on your journey. So to whatever that goal is, whatever goal you set for yourself, whether it's, you know, a lifestyle goal, a weight goal, a a change in habits you want to make, you know, even down to things like, you know, I, I set a goal for my business, for my finances, whatever your goal may be that you're trying to achieve, the coach is there to help you propel yourself forward. So we're not counselors, we're not therapists, you know, we don't really sit with you. And I love the, I can't even remember exactly how it was said, but one of my instructors, she said, you know, as coaches, we don't really do a lot of digging back into the past. You know, that's kind of the role of the therapist. They go back and let's let's work through past traumas. Let's work through past experiences. Let's go and get to the root cause to why you have a blank, why you have a behavior or a habit or whatever it is that you're, you're working to change. But as a coach, we kind of take the approach of this is where you are now. And how are you going to get yourself to that next step? Because one step at a time, you're going to propel yourself forward. One step at a time, you're going to move yourself to reaching that goal. So you have a goal, you identify a goal, and we help you to decide, you know, is this the goal or is there another goal? Is, th- is this where I'm trying to get or do I need to, to, to take you know, a roundabout way to get somewhere else? And we work very closely with our clients and really like step by step, baby step by baby step. And what I love about coaching is I don't have to have the answers at all. <laughs> like, I am not here to tell you what to do or tell you how to do it. I'm not here to say, you know, maybe you should quit smoking this week. Like I don't have to do any of that. I am here to help you decide what you need for your life, what you want for your life. And what are those steps that you need to take that you want to take to get to that? You know, maybe you come up against a roadblock and you just need help thinking through, okay, do I need to go left? Do I need to go right? And it's just like, I'm a sounding board. You can throw it all on me and I'm not going to sway you. I'm not going to push you in one way or the other, but 
I'll ask, you know, very key and specific questions that just kind of open up your mind and open up your realm of thinking, you know, so you can see things from a slightly different perspective, you know, maybe that you didn't consider and really just helping you to make the best decision for yourself or whatever that looks like for you. So it's really kind of fun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because it's to, to see the progress and to see the growth and to see the transformation um, in coaching, we call it the shift because it, it happens and it, it happens differently for everyone. But we start with one thing and even the most convicted person, like I know for a fact that this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And we just go through the process and every time there's this shift that happens, there's a light bulb that clicks, there's something that just connects with the person and they see themselves, you know, in a whole different light. They see themselves as fully capable, as fully, you know, able to achieve not just the goal that they set, but any goal, you know, they, they see themselves as not being swayed by the obstacles and challenges that come up because it, it like just taps into, you know, that second source of strength and energy <laughs> for it for people and it, it really is a cool process to be a part of that's so cool <laughs> like I've worked with a couple of, of coaches and I think one of the the most wonderful things about it is that I feel that I learn how to trust myself yes deeper levels every single time I do yeah. and I, I think that's one of the cool things about a coach is like you were saying it's it's not about like the the digging into you know your past and all of that stuff but it's just asking yourself and and getting them to ask getting the the client to ask themselves you know what are you capable of right now and and yeah. seeing and uncovering all of all, all of what you can be capable of but there's certain times in life when i think it it's really helpful i'm in my mid 20s right now so i think right now everybody in my age bracket should have yeah. a coach because <laughs> none of us know what we're doing and that it's frightening yeah. that's scary you know and we feel like time is just like ticking you know and so i think everybody needs to have someone say you are doing just fine and you are capable yes. of so much. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I like that you brought up too that there's so many different coaching options for people in different yes. arenas of life. Like yes. whenever I did hear about coaching at first, it was like, oh, a business coach or something like that. But it's like, you can have a health and wellness coach. You have a nutrition coach. Yep. You can have, I guess, like you said, a fashion coach, whatever it is that you yeah. want. <laughs> Um, I guess coming alongside you. So yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. With you kind of stepping out and starting AKN Wellness and doing all of these great things, I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit about combating insecurities and doubts, if you've had like imposter syndrome and just, especially in this creating new lanes for yourself. Where did that come from for the you to courage. just, yeah, the courage, the courage to. I mean, I'm sure having the, the, the idea of like, I'm not trying to work. <laughs> That would do wonders for you when you really don't want to Huge go to work. Huge motivation. That will, Huge that, will motivation. Really, that will really be the motivation. Right? No, um, you know, it's, it's something that I struggle with daily, honestly. And um, the imposter syndrome is so real. I, I still don't know how I, I push through it. I, I'm still struggling with it. So it's a hard question to answer um, because I, I'm learning how to work through it. And I guess my personal evolution, you know, starting in the beginning, there was the, I don't know enough, fill in the blank, whatever it is, I don't know enough to, I don't know enough to be a nurse. I don't know enough to um, be an entrepreneur. I don't, I have the, the slightest idea of how to start a business. Right. And so to fulfill, I guess, or fill that void of feeling like, I don't know, I, I kind of got obsessed with training and classes and certifications. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm going to take class and I'm going to take another class. I'm going to take another class. <laughs> And my husband, at one point, he was like, why are you going to stop taking classes? And you literally said you didn't want to go to school, but you're doing another certification. <laughs> like, you have enough, just go for it. And that has been, he has been so consistent in my life with just always do it, just do it, go for it, just do it. And I'm like, no, I can't. And it's always 
no, I can't because, and so it started with, I, I don't, I don't know enough, you know, and so I kind of worked through that and I said, I, I don't know enough to, to have the grand scheme figured out, but I do know enough to start and I do know enough to move, make a step. I do know enough to get me from point A to point B. I don't have to know how to get from point A to point F. I just have to know how to get from point A to B. Wow. And so <laughs> I use that. Um, and, you know, honestly, the way I figured that one out was remembering when I was a kid. I don't know why I, I, I live in extremes, but I remember telling my mom, I must have been maybe in fourth or fifth grade, not even middle school, and like freaking out, almost like having this anxiety attack about going to high school in the ninth grade. Oh. <laughs> and I remember sitting with her, she's, she's always been a night owl, and I remember coming up and she's like working on her computer, and I'm like, mommy, I'm afraid to ride the bus. And she's like, you walk to school. I'm like, I know, when I go to high school, I'm afraid to ride the bus. And she's like, Felicia, why are you thinking about ninth grade right now? <laughs> Like, girl, you skipped like fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yeah, year. <laughs> like, why? And I remember her telling me, like, by the time I need to go to ninth grade, I will be ready for ninth grade. And that is something that like stuck with me my whole life to the point that I'm now telling my daughter that. And I had to sit back and like remember, yes, Felicia, like by the time you're going to ninth grade, you'll be ready for it. You know, I have this dream, this grandiose dream of having this full like strip mall size wellness center. And I'm only in kindergarten right now, you know? <laughs> yes, I don't know how I'm going to get to that. I have no idea how I'm going to get to that, but I don't need to. I just need to know how to do the work to get through kindergarten to first grade, first grade to second grade. And so that was, you know, something that I definitely have been tapping into and kind of reminding myself, especially as I'm launching, you know, this new arm of my business. And, you know, I want it to be perfect. I want to, I want to have a grand opening and I open the doors and it's, it's where my vision is for it. But I have to remind myself like, yes, Felicia, you have this vision, but you have to start somewhere. You know, I, I don't have the means, the, the knowledge, the know-how to manage that grand vision I have. So I need to figure out how to manage, you know, my little hundred square foot, yeah. you know, booth. So that that's one piece of it. And I, I try to keep that at the forefront of late mom guilt has been killing me <laughs> um, because, you know, there's, we're, we're human and there's only so much one person can do. And I, I sat in on a webinar not too long ago and, and the lady, the presenter, she said something to me that was just really profound. And um, I've been, I have it like on a sticky note on my, in my office right now, but she was saying, you know, we always feel like we need to find balance. We need to find balance. That's like, something that her clients are often coming to her saying, you know, I just need balance in my life. And for a long time, I was saying the same thing. And she was saying, but to have balance, that means all parts need equal weight, you know, need equal amount of attention. And she said, as working, you know, specifically in my case, as a working mother, but as individuals who wear many, many hats, whatever they may be, you cannot possibly give multiple things the same amount of attention and energy and weight and she used the example of her newborn she says I have a newborn at home and I also have a 12 year old at home and she said you know I don't give my 12 year old the same amount of time that I give my newborn because their needs are different they're in different places of their lives and um you know that that's just the nature of being I can't give my I give this newborn 20 hours a day I, there's not enough time for me to give that time to my 12 year old, but he also doesn't need 20 hours a day. And she was saying, you know, it's not balance that we seek, it's harmony. And we need to find a way 
for all the different things that we're doing, all the many arms, all the many hats that we have to coexist with one another, to operate in harmony, because it's impossible to think that I can give 100% to my business, 100% to my kids, 100% to school, 100% to my husband, 100% to myself. We don't have 500%. <laughs> like, that's not how math works. <laughs> Was it the math ain't math? <laughs> That's not how that goes. And that was just so profound and something I needed in this season of, okay, Felicia, no, you know, right now I'm devoting 20 hours to, to getting this business up and going. And I feel bad that I can't give my kids their 20 hours, but they also don't need 20 hours for me and they don't want 20 hours for me, but you <laughs> want quality time, you know? And so just recognizing when I'm not doing the business, I'm doing them. And when I'm doing them, I'm only doing them. So even if it's 20 minutes versus 20 hours, that's their 20 minutes, that's time that it's, you know, I'm focused on them. I don't have the phone. I don't, I'm not answering emails. I'm not making calls. I'm not cooking dinner. It's just, it's their 20 minutes. And so it sounds great. It's not always implemented yeah. <laughs> as beautiful as it is, but, um, you know, the key is awareness and that's Absolutely. always been my thing. Like that's the starting point. And so I'm aware of, of where I struggle and I'm identifying ways to kind of combat these struggles. And every day it's, you know, it's, it has its challenges, but I do try to kind of take that knowledge and live by it, you know, take it step by step, one thing at a time and, and let, let things fall into place, let things grow and develop and to devote whatever it is I'm working on, whatever it is my focus is at, give it, give it that devotion, give it that energy and attention, because that's how we kind of build that harmony in all the areas of our lives. I love that. Everybody's talking about balance, how you can essentially like give a hundred percent of yourself to all of these different things. Yes. And um, I, I actually just heard someone say that you can't multitask, which also blew my mind. I was like, what? I think I'm great. You're not multitasking as good as you think. Nope. So yes. why not just instead of thinking about uh, the balance, thinking about harmony and how it doesn't you can't give you can't do it just and give yourself a break, you know, and grace, right. trying to give do yourself it all. that grace. Exactly. Yes. exactly. And remember that you're a human being. I love that. I really do. Thank you for doing that with us. <laughs> so what would you say are some of your favorite personal self-care and wellness practices? Ooh, good one. <laughs> so I have a couple and again, I am not perfect, right? <laughs> so giving myself grace. But um, my favorite self-care practices are definitely yoga. There's um, yoga and journaling are, are my two favorite. With yoga, there's just something about the mind-body connection, the um, serenity. The, there's just something for me that comes from the movement, the, um, the focus and attention on being in that moment and just living and being and breathing. And it, it seems like the only time that I can really block out whatever is going on, whatever I have coming up, the kids work, whatever it is. And, you know, for those 60 minutes or 50 minutes, however long it is, I am just at one, I'm at peace. I have a really strong spiritual connection in that moment. And so I, and I feel good. Like after I do yoga, it's one of, you know, people, I'm not an athlete by any means. And I hear about this thing people call the runner's high. I will never understand. <laughs> it's a myth, right? <laughs> but I can say like after doing yoga, just that endorphin release and all those happy hormones and all of that stuff, like I really feel it. And I physically feel good. Emotionally, I feel good. Um, and I, I know how good it makes me feel. And I know how great it is for me, you know, just health wise. And I do need to do a better job of prioritizing, yeah. <laughs> prioritizing it into my life because it, it's, it truly is self-care. And then um, journaling 
I think journaling, because I actually enjoy writing, you know, that's something I would say is, you know, a pleasure. And so just taking that time to do something that's fulfilling and edifying and whatever it is that I'm writing about, um, usually like I'll, I'll sit down and I'll start writing and I just find myself rambling, (laughs) but it's like my opportunity to just get it out, whatever it is, you know, if it's a story, if it's a reflection, whatever it is, it's just that time to sit and be still. I'm with my thoughts, but I'm also not holding them in and I'm I'm expressing them and putting them out there. So those are my two um, favorite ways to care for myself and I'm I'm saying it here for everybody to hear <laughs> to hold myself accountable that I am going to prioritize it into my you know into my daily life just moments for caring for myself I know one of the services I believe that you offer is for youth and around like mindfulness um there's even yeah. something that you had put out as well that I really enjoyed reading um, we're talking about being mind, mindful eating and different um, things yeah. like that. So I would love if you could share a little bit about mindfulness. And it's something I really love and believe in, but I love the fact that you're trying to focus on that from the youth perspective as well. Yeah. So yeah like what, yeah. I guess, brought that to you and, and uh, brought you into that direction? You know, it's so funny. And, and what I say about my autobiography, about how I just fall into things. Right. So. <laughs> I actually just this morning, I uh, presented at a youth leadership conference, and that was my topic of mindfulness. (laughs) It's so funny because (laughs) I don't even know how I fell into that, but for some for some reason somehow some way it it found me and that's like what I am sought after for just these different engagements and connecting you know with people and especially the youth and I think my I think it it is another passion of mine because I recognize the power of our mind you know our, our everything begins with our thoughts our thoughts influence our feelings, our feelings influence our actions, you know, reactions and so on and so forth. And the the special ability that we have to control not necessarily situations, but our response to the situation. So we can't control anything, anyone but ourselves and how we respond. And so, you know, the the worst situation that you can, you know, have in, in front of you, you have the power to turn that into a difficult situation or a not so bad situation, all, all by how you perceive it, all by how you take it in and what you do, you know, that power of positivity is so powerful. And so, you know, with the youth, I feel like it's so important, especially now, you know, their, their level of outside influence is at an all time high. I think one of the highest of the living generations right now, you know, they're constantly, bombarded with influences and perceptions and perspectives that are not their own. And they have to decide how they're going to sit with that and how they're going to process that. And so I think it's important that they learn how to be with their thoughts, learn how to be with their feelings and their emotions, not what the influencers say, you know, one, t- one thing recently, you know, we're talking with my son, I have a teenage son and he's no different constantly on there. And my husband actually made the point, like, you know, you watch, you watch commentary on commentary of commentary of another video, like, three <laughs> <players> down. <laughs> like so go sweet. to the stores and formulate your own opinion. Right on the content, you know, and, and I think that's so important for our generation. And it it just, it goes back to being able to formulate that thought, being able to have your own idea and an opinion. And because that's ultimately who you are. And if you're taking all these pieces from all these outside sources, then it leaves you lost and confused and you don't know who you are. Um, but how do you do that? You know, before you can sit with yourself, before you can sit with your thoughts, you have to learn how to silence all that other input, all those other distractions, everything else that's coming in. And that's where mindfulness comes in. You know, mindfulness is essentially just being in the moment, stopping to realize that this is what's happening right now. 
And I use the example this morning with the youth, like think about when you're vacuuming, something as simple as vacuuming. And we're physically here, we're vacuuming, but our mind is when I'm done vacuuming, I'm going to go to the mall. When I finish this, I'm going to call my friend and we're going to talk about this. And next week, you know, we're going to get ready for prom. And like our, our bodies may be physically one place, but our mind and our thoughts are everywhere. They're everywhere. And so how do you ever silence them? How do you ever just sit and be with yourself if your mind is constantly all over the place? And so I love to teach that, you know, just the practice of mindfulness. And I start very basic, you know, we often, we often don't know how, especially because any new skill is it's takes practice, you know, we're not, we're not sages and, you know, advanced yogis who can just sit and be still for days on end. And so it takes practice and you have to start somewhere. And so my favorite one is like the five senses and that's where you just sit and I don't know what to think about. I don't know what to meditate on, but I have senses and I'm just going to focus on those senses for 30 seconds. What are five things I see? What are four things I feel, you know, and it just brings you to this present moment to where I'm at in my physical body, focusing on my senses. And then from there, you can grow and expand into, well, what are my emotions in this moment? What are my thoughts and feelings in this moment? And the ultimate goal with mindfulness is not to get to the point of not having a thought or not, you know, just being silent and not having anything going on. But the goal is to sit with it, to experience it, to feel it, and then to move on, to go to the next thing, you know, so you don't get caught in those thought loops and, you know, those debilitating, oh, I can't get past this, you know, thought, I can't break this from my mind. I, I had it, I experienced it, and then I moved on to the next thing. And I'm living in the moment. I'm enjoying the moment. I'm taking in the pieces of this moment right here. And then I'm going to do that same thing with the next moment. So, yes, I love mindfulness. <laughs> I love it. I'm a huge fan. It's been yeah. something personally in my life that's been helpful, especially with struggling with anxiety and thoughts and uh, all those things, like just meditation and that's my form of like getting into mindfulness a lot um, yeah it's been a game changer yeah. for sure definitely all right felicia we are at the end Yay. thank you so so much for thank you your time for coming and sharing and dropping so many gems Good. <laughs> um, we are so appreciative. So we'll wrap up with just giving you the spotlight to share. Where can people find you? Find your services. Plug yourself. Um, plug yourself. <laughs> yourself up, um, where can people find your information? Okay. Yes. So I'm. Um, my son teases me all the time. He calls me an old lady. <laughs> but I'm gonna try and do this the right way. So. <laughs> AKN Dash Wellness. You can find me on Facebook, AKN Wellness or AKN IV Wellness Lounge for those who are local to the Minnesota Twin Cities area. On Instagram, I'm AKN underscore wellness. Same for the website, AKN Dash Wellness. And you can find me and see all the happenings going on yes. <laughs> in my local metro. So thank you. Thank you for having me. We wish you so much more success and just all the growth that you desire. You already are getting opportunities flowing in and I just pray that that continues for you. So thank you. And the same to you guys. I, I love the work that you're doing here and it's so meaningful to so many of us and I enjoy every episode. We're going to sign off. Thanks for listening, tuning in once again, and we will be back. See you later. Thanks for coming to hang out with us. We truly, truly are thankful for every second of your time. But before you go, we'd like to ask you for a teensy weeny favor. Your support means the world to us. And if you love what we're doing enough, come show us some love and follow us on Instagram at the Undefined Good Girls Podcast. And while we're on your minds, why not go ahead and subscribe here too? We love you guys and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.